One of the main advantages of startups is speed. You execute quickly so you can grow faster than your competitors, and then you take the incumbents down, right? That's how the story goes. Well, unfortunately, going fast and executing quickly is a little harder when you're remote because you're not in the same room. You can't get together and whiteboard out a problem, right? Remote makes it a little slower, which really matters for a startup, which is why I'm really excited to introduce our new sponsor for forward-thinking founders, Sidekick. Sidekick is a hardware device that connects remote founders with an always-on video. With Sidekick, you just turn and you talk just as if you're sitting in the same room. It's great for teams that are working on something from scratch and are working all the time founding a company. Luckily, because you're a listener of forward-thinking founders, you get Sidekick for a discount, $5 off per device. So if you're interested in having an in-person feeling, in-person environment with your remote team, feel free to go to sidekick.video slash FTF to get $5 off a device per device. So you could save up to $20, $30, $40 a month by going to sidekick.video slash FTF. So if you're feeling the remote woes, you know where to go. Sidekick.video slash FTF. What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kuhn, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Alyssa Atkins, who is the founder of Lilia. Welcome to the show. How's it going? It is going fantastic. Well, as fantastic as it can go in a global pandemic. Yeah, I, I totally hear you there. I will say my like podcast productivity has boosted because everyone's inside. But overall, I like I'm excited for the day where you can like do other things. But for now, you know, <laughs> hunkering down, getting through it. I'm very, I'm very excited to learn more about Lilia. Um, for people that, that don't know what you're working on or don't know who you are, can you kind of de- describe what is Lilia and what are you working on? Yeah, so Lilia is an egg freezing concierge. So we help women explore their fertility options and take next steps toward egg freezing. So you can think of it as one trustworthy place for people with ovaries who want kids later to get everything they need along their fertility planning journey. And so more, I guess, practically or tangibly what that looks like, you can kind of think of us like a white glove ZocDoc for egg freezing. So I would love to hear a little bit of the origin story into, you know, the kind of why you started this, where the idea came from, and when you started working on it. I'd love to hear the origin stories. Mm, so probably sounds very familiar to most founder stories, but Lilia is solving a problem I had and is the company I wish existed when I went down my own egg securing. I call it egg securing instead of egg freezing because that's how it feels. But when I went down my own egg securing journey, so 
the, the long story short, I guess, is I was with a, uh, my partner for 10 years, my high school sweetheart. We split up when I was in my late 20s, and I saw my stepmom go through early menopause at 36, so something I didn't even know could happen. So these two events kind of put fertility generally on my radar. And the real kicker for me was I was dating somebody new, and he was younger than me, and I realized we weren't aligned on our timeline to kids. And so I started doing the dating math, you know, and I was like, okay, well, if I need to have kids by this arbitrary 35 age number, uh, working backwards, I need to have met the right person uh, yesterday. And, um, and so I just wanted to, I wanted to learn about my options. It also didn't seem right. Like I had to plan my life around this reproductive timeline, but my partner wasn't doing any of this, uh, dating math. And so once I realized I just wasn't, it was very, very low likelihood I was going to have kids in my most reproductive years. I wanted to know what my options are. So I spent hours on the internet on hold with clinics and doctor's offices, and there just was literally nothing out there. Um, I hear horror stories from women who, who go to their doctor, if they have one, who tell them, you know, just go find a husband or get pregnant now, which of course doesn't include um, LGBTQ communities. Or your options are Google, right? And it's so easy like, to go down the rabbit hole of Google, right? And get stopped by the scattered literature. There's no clear next step. And so these options really just bounce women right out, including myself. So uh, one thing I did learn was there was uh, a test you could do where you could understand your fertility reserve or your ovarian reserve, it's called. And it was a blood test plus an ultrasound. And um, so that's how I learned about my, my egg reserve and, and what ultimately led me to securing my eggs. and. Um, once I did it, so I did it at the end of 2019 and I just felt this feeling of freedom and power. And it just was the smartest investment I've ever made in myself. And it wasn't like what everybody said, you know, it, it, I was kind of made to feel like it was this thing you do in your late thirties as a last resort, but here I was doing it really proactively. So I threw the world's first ever egg freezing celebration made a big deal out of it. And I, I just realized, you know, this is the, this is the future. I think egg securing is going to be the new normal, something we all do upon graduation in this like symbolic moment of entering womanhood. And so um, I wanted to build Lilia to be the place where women could, could go through this experience in a much more informed and convenient and supported way than I did. Thank you for sharing all of that. It's great to hear the backstory in regards to Lilia. So we'd love to hear about the user experience, not necessarily of like using it, but like if someone lands on your sites, um, you know, you have a really interesting structure where it's like some education and some content marketing, mm-hmm. helping them figure out, you know, you know, wh- where they are or what they should do. Can you kind of walk through, I guess, the user experience of a prospective customer of yours and, and what they could do with Lilia, what kind of their options are when they land on your site? Yeah. So a big part of this is meeting women where they're at. So, right, like I didn't jump from, oh, okay, I'm not going to have kids by the time I'm, you know, 35 to I'm going to freeze my eggs today. It was like a journey of, you know, when do I, when does fertility drop off and does egg, egg securing work and where would I go to do that and how long would it take, right? And so we meet women where they are. Um, some people will be ready to just like go and they're, they've you know, been thinking about this for years and they're ready to rock. Others want more, uh, want more guidance through the steps. So you know, I guess when, when we built Lily, I, I started with the problem, which is, you know, most women, what I hear most often is I've wanted to secure my eggs for years, but I just don't know what to do, where to go, where to start. What does my insurance cover? Like, how does this work? And uh, going to a clinic often feels like too big a, or too committal a step. And so 
people become Lilia members basically for the convenience and quality of information and support. So when someone joins Lilia and become, we call them members, uh, we provide the research and guidance and just make it really easy for you to explore your options, decide whether to secure your eggs or not, and then support those who move forward. So you can think of it like, you know, instead of spending hours on the phone with clinics and insurance providers and building out your own spreadsheet and, and you know, Googling reviews, Lilia, we book you into a fertility consultation with a vetted clinic fast. Then we get you a custom price quote based on your insurance because it, it changes clinic to clinic. Usually we can save you some money. And then we're your trusted point person along the way. So, you know, the idea is just for, for you to feel like you're navigating in a really trustworthy, low commitment, non-intimidating uh, non way. So I think of it like using Lilia is... I would compare it like Lilia is staying at a five-star hotel, whereas you could do some of this yourself. And if you just need a place to stay, like staying at a motel is probably fine. But with Lilia, it's a five-star hotel and that, you know, when you arrive, we grab your bags and bring them up to your room and there's a drink waiting for you and you know where to go. And so it's, it's just a much uh, easier and more effective way to navigate. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. And I and I, I like your analogy. I think it's like that with a lot of things like, you know, information's out there like, oh, you want to learn how to do X? Great. Like, do it. It's the internet. But it's it's not that not that simple, not that easy. And with, yeah. with, with, with what you're doing, this is like a really important event in someone's life. So you want that five star hotel, six star hotel, you know, 10 out of 10. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of our members, you know, we're building for the, the folks who were usually very short on time. And so, you know, I have, once I find the 10 minutes to deal with this thing that's been on my to-do list, if I don't solve it in that 10 minutes, it's getting bumped to the bottom of my to-do list and I'm gonna have to come back to it in two weeks, right? Like I'm super guilty of this. Uh, a lot of women will talk about, you know, I've been, we've been needing an IUD or a new birth control for, you know, however long and it just keeps getting bumped down the list. And so with Lily, it's like, it's just a very fast way to make sure you're doing it done, make sure you're doing it right and it's getting checked off your list when you have the time to actually focus on it. So right now, one of the, my favorite questions to ask is like, when you're a founder, there's a million things you can be doing, right? Selling, you know, you know, mm -hmm. do writing, building, you know, coding, et cetera. Um, if you had to describe your most average day while building Lilia, what, what, what would you be doing? You know, what's an average mm -hmm. day in the life of, of the, the founder of Lilia? Yeah. Oh, I love that question. So every, so it depends what I would say, and I think is really important is leaning into your natural energy cycles. And uh, what I mean by that is doing the work you're really good at it when, doing the work you're really good at when your mind is good at that work. So some people are night people and they just are born night people, they'll always be night people. I am very much a morning person. And so I know that my best hours are from 6 a.m. to probably 11 a.m. And that's when I need to do my most important work. Anything after that, I schedule calls, meetings, because I know it's not to sit down and think really hard about stuff. It's more, it just, it, it's flexing a different muscle that I use a different part of my brain for. So the way I structure my day is I usually start it, or I usually am like at my desk, uh, ready to go around 6.30. And from 6.30 to 10.30, I list what are the three most important things I could do for the business today. So Lilia works in these 60-day cycles. So instead of working on a quarterly cadence, we plan 60 day, I guess, sprints. And uh, in that 60 day plan, we have, you know, three or four goals we're all, we're all working toward. 
and we do that with one week sprints. So I'll look at, you know, what are our top level goals? What are the three things I could do today that would contribute to those goals? And those are the things I do each morning. So maybe it's, you know, uh, reaching out to clinics or, you know, helping the marketing team spin up a new email or brainstorming um, different types of strategy or just what are the biggest problems I'm thinking on and I try and solve those in the morning. Um, then, and this is a super cool new ritual I've been doing since quarantine is from, uh, so our team is remote right now. And so I meet with everybody every morning and, uh, it takes, you know, around two hours and I just walk around for two hours talking to the team, getting them unblocked, making sure everybody's on track then. And I cannot under, I cannot emphasize enough how underestimated naps are, but after I talk to the team, I get lunch and take a nap. Naps are game changing. It gives you a whole second day. So I do that. And then um, usually the afternoon is either calling uh, new Lilia members or, uh, you know, doing interviews, podcast interviews or hiring interviews. Um, and that's where I really focus on like meetings and, and chatting with folks. Maybe it's meeting with clinics. I exercise in the middle of the day. So my brain starts to break around three. So I stop and work out. And, um, what I've found has been game changing is just, like I said, leaning into whenever I'm going to be good at that thing, doing it then and remote has, has created the flexibility to allow for that kind of schedule manipulation. Oh, and then a new favorite thing, um, that I've been into. <laughs> so at the end of the day, uh, I'll usually try and go through my email, although I never have inbox zero and to trick myself into doing it. I've been really into this video game called Dota Underlords. And so I'll start up Dota and then in between turns, I'll like try and answer as many emails as I can. And so it's a way to try and incentivize me to clear up my inbox and have a little bit of fun while I'm doing it. <laughs> That's awesome. I, that, that brings back memories. So a previous venture that I, I wouldn't even call it a venture, a project I worked on a few years ago, I lived with my, with my co-founder and he played Dota all the time. And it's oh, nice. it honestly looks pretty fun. Like I, I've never been a huge gamer. I do like VR though, but like Dota definitely seemed like a lot of fun. So yeah, that's cool. It is. Well, I played Dota Underlords. So there, any Dota fan will tell you they're different. I think Dota Underlords is easier. Um, I'm not really a gamer either. I just am just addicted to this game. <laughs> that's funny. I, I actually kind of in the same boat with, I, so I got the Oculus Quest, I don't know, six months ago. And mm -hmm. I'm like never really been a game. I mean, I, I was a kid, a gamer as a kid, um, but haven't, you know, since I was like 10 or whatever. And I got this quest and now I like, you know, play racquetball every couple of hours or every couple mm -hmm. of days or whatever. It's just like, it's just, I don't know. I kind of think the convergence of social and gaming is interesting. But besides the point, yeah. I have one, one last question before we go into our kind of our final couple. Do you have any yeah. tips? I'll just ask for myself. Like, I mean, I still have a hard time understanding my body in knowing when I'm peaking when I'm tired, when I'll be, you know, guessing or knowing when my energy levels will be highest or lowest in any given day. Do you have any tips on helping like newbies better understand their bodies so they can, you know, kind of aim for peak uh, productivity? Yeah. So I, I, I haven't like studied this stuff, right. But I can tell you what's worked for me is I just, I noticed for basically my whole career, I would always be so tired after lunch and I'd want to nap. And I wouldn't let myself. And I think if your body is telling you it's time to nap, taking that 20 minutes is going to make you so much more productive. So just like listening and tuning in, like, am I feeling tired? Am I 
am I really straining to do this very simple task, right? Like has it taken me 30 minutes to answer this email? That's probably a good time to, to go take a nap. And honestly, sometimes my best ideas come when I'm, I'm just falling asleep and I, or I'll solve a problem, right? That, that was uh, following me through the day. So just pay attention to when you want to sleep. Um, and then I would say, I don't really get, so I get flow. I find it very hard to get into flow, but I do notice that I'm much faster and I can get hard things done more easily in the mornings versus if I, it's very, very hard for me to start a project in the afternoon or do anything that's going to require a high degree of, you know, intellectual computation. So, I mean, do you notice that in yourself? When do you find yourself super jazzed and work is easy versus when it's, when it's harder to get yourself to do anything? I have a hunch that from, I don't know, 6 a.m. to 9 to 10 a.m., I'm, I, I, yeah. I'm good. And I don't really know about after that until noon. But then I do know that, like, from 2 to 5, I am pretty useless. Although I, I'm not yeah. useless because I get stuff done. I need, like, I do work. But I feel different from 2 to 5 mm-hmm. than from 6 to 10. Yeah. And on the evenings, I always get another kick. So maybe maybe yeah. that's just leaning into that is, 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 is kind of the answer. Yeah. And you know what I saw, I forget which study it is now, but I I remember seeing something around some of the greatest artists in the world and composers, they had this schedule where they would work in the mornings and they would get most of their practice or most of their work done in the morning. And then they would just take the afternoon off. Like they would eat, they would sleep, they'd walk around, they'd rest, and then they'd get another kick around six o'clock. And I think the biggest hurdle I needed to get over was giving myself permission to step away to go take a nap, to go for a run, to go for the, go to the gym. Um, once I got over that and remote actually makes it easier, I was able to just notice and lean into that uh, productivity cycle. Yeah, that makes sense. And you know, you're obviously going to need that productivity to bring Lilia to be, you know, a big company and, and, you know, make it super successful. So let's like, look out, you know, Let's say you, you take this energy, you, if you, you put, it, put it on Lilia for 10 years, you grow a team, it, the whole thing happens and, and it works. Like it ends up being a really big company helping a lot of people. What will it look like then? Or I guess another way to phrase the question is what's your vision for Lilia today? Mm. My hope is that Lilia will galvanize a generation of women to secure their eggs. I think egg freezing is the best reproductive equalizer we have. And I think that in the same way birth control liberated women sexually, I see egg securing as a catalyst to the reproductive liberation and that eventually egg freezing is as common as birth control. And I, I said it earlier, but I, I really believe it. I think, you know, women and people with ovaries will secure their eggs upon graduation. It'll be this symbolic moment, the de facto graduation gift parents give their daughters and celebrated with a party. And I just, I hope that Lilia, um, can lead us to being proactive about our, our fertility. You know, instead of inquiring about fertility as a response to something that's wrong, it's just egg securing is just something you do, you know? And I can imagine circles of my girlfriends being like, Oh gosh, can you believe like <laughs> Sally hasn't frozen her eggs yet? What's she going to do? And I think this is, this really the pillar of this is reproductive equity. And I think that can, um, I'm being maybe quixotic now, but if I really let myself dream, this could help close the wage gap, you know, as women can continue working into their childbearing years or, more women can start companies knowing they have well into their 30s to find the right partner and have kids. And uh, this could increase the number of successful women entrepreneurs. And as a result, you know, v- female VCs. And, you know, this is, this is, I'm really dreaming now, but I, I hope we can have that kind of impact. And 
I guess my vision is just a world where women have the reproductive freedom to do whatever the hell we want, because I think the world could use more women doing whatever the hell we want. And I imagine Lily, it could be the next great equalizer. That's awesome. It's such a great vision and one that obviously you'll need some help with, right? You'll might need some employees, <laughs> yeah. maybe some, maybe some customers that maybe some investors, depending on if you want to go, go down that route, but what you'll definitely need, I'll guarantee you, is help from the forward thinking founders community. And luckily you got all these people listening ready to help because they know the question's coming. So my question for you is how can the forward thinking founders community help you push your vision forward and make it happen? And is there an ask that you have for anyone listening? Yes, of course. So now we do have a team, we do have traction, we, we have raised money. And so what I would love from the forward thinking founders community is I would ask that you tell a friend with ovaries about Lilia, or if not about Lilia, just about the option of egg securing. I know it can be something that's touchy, but I, what we're really after is creating this path as, as a very empowering and um, intelligent way of just ensuring women know what their options are, even if you decide not to secure your eggs. And so, you know, bringing it up with a friend that you heard this podcast or you heard of this cool company called Lilia and you, you heard of this woman who had secured her eggs and the impact it made for her, you could, you could, I think, make a real difference in somebody's life by just putting this as an option on the table. And if someone wanted to find Lilia online or connect with you on Twitter or any social channel, what's the URL? What's, you know, do you have an email, Twitter? How can people connect? Yeah. Check us out at hellolilia.com. So hello, Lilia, L-I-L-I-A. And uh, you can hang with me on Twitter. My handle's just Alyssa Atkins, my name. All right. Well, thank you for coming on to the podcast. Um, I wish you the best of luck making the vision happen. And um, yeah, just really appreciate you coming on. So yeah, yeah, keep on going. Keep on going. It's awesome. Thanks, Matt. This is a blast.